After 39 long years, the Cup is back home. The Bruins are 2011 Stanley Cup champions. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 41 of Bruins Beat, brought to you by CLNS Radio. Uh, CLNS Radio is an online provider of all local Boston sports teams. You can follow the Bruins Beat um, Twitter account at, at Bruins underscore Beat. Excuse me there. And you can also like us on Facebook. We're also on iTunes and Stitcher. You can find us there. So the whole crew is back together. Obviously, the summer months is when people go on vacation mo- mostly. But Kevin's back with us. Kevin, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, guys. Thanks for uh, relieving me on that week off. A uh, little early uh, fantasy hockey draft I had to get done. We do it early because we get people going to school, so I'm the commission. They all forced me to do it, so I had to miss a show because of it. That's all right. Hey, at least it was something related to hockey. We, yes. we were talking last I, week about how it was like the, the hottest day of the year, and we were talking hockey in, hockey in August. Can't beat it. Yeah. All right, so we have Jason and Joe Gill back with the show. So what's going on, guys? No, it goes same old. Kevin, I like what you're talking about with fantasy, fantasy hockey. I'm going to get myself started on that in September for the first time. Yeah, great, great to be back, guys. Really looking forward to uh, jumping into this B.C. Hayes drama, drama show that just went on. Absolutely. So let's get right into it. So obviously the big, the big story of the week was that Jimmy Hayes met with all the teams, the free agent from, from Harvard University who did not sign with the Nashville Predators. You mean Jimmy B.C.? What did I say, Jimmy Hayes? You did. Yeah, okay. Jimmy Feezy, they played at Harvard. He did, he got drafted by the Nashville Predators and did not sign there. So, Feezy ended up meeting with teams all this week. He met with The Bruins were on his list of teams that he met with. He met with the Bruins last, and the Bruins gave him, obviously, a good pitch. There was conflicting reports saying that Bergeron, Martian, and Krug were in the meeting. Other people were saying that it was just, you know, Cam Neely, Claude Julien. But it doesn't matter anyways because he decided to sign with the New York Rangers. And I just want to get your thoughts on... You know why he picked the Rangers? This is does this hurt the Bruins again not being able to you know to sign this player? I mean he could have helped the Bruins I think on offense, but the one thing that I keep that everything I think keeps getting overlooked is that yes I think it's not good that he didn't sign here. I think the Bruins do have a bright future, obviously future, and that means the Bruins aren't in win now mode. And I think the Rangers have a better team right now than the Bruins, but I'm just frustrated that they haven't done anything about the defense. So, so I don't think. It's a huge loss for Jimmy Hayes not signing here. Um, if I could jump in quick. Um, but VC being a local kid and not signing here kind of tells you some things about not only the player, but also the situation here. Um, I wrote about um, kind of the whole thing about the Julian thing. Like if, if Jimmy Hayes is squawking in his ear, which I heard from Joe Haggerty on 98.5, and Toucher Rich also mentioned that too, and I read in a couple places that the Hayes family and the VC family are friendly, and they were talking, you know, the Hayes you know, put some bugs in VC's ear, saying how tough it is to play in Boston, you know, maybe to avoid this whole situation entirely. And it's it's like, well, if you fail here, it doesn't mean he's going to fail here. You know what I mean? It's kind of one of those things. I know, I mean, he grew up rooting for the Bruins. He's from North Reading. I mean, everything was setting him setting himself up. You know, he's going to be a top six forward. They pretty much told me he's going to play with Crutchy. And then... We find out he goes to the Rangers, which, ironically enough, 
Jimmy Hayes' brother, Kevin, plays for them. That is definitely ironic. Uh, Kevin, what are your thoughts on Jimmy Fees? Kevin and Jason, get, you, got, you guys can chime in here also. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with Joe in the sense that, you know, I mean, when you talk, talk about how Vizi grew up here and he grew up as a Bruins fan, but then you kind of look at what Hayes kind of went through. Jimmy Hayes went through last year. Um, and, I mean, he obviously didn't put up the greatest numbers. He didn't really live up to the contract that the Bruins gave him. Not that it was an, a, a crazy contract, but he didn't really live up to the numbers that we were looking at. And, um, you know, then you look at, okay, VZ. You know, what happens if you do the same? I mean, let's not forget, VZ was like, there was so much. He was getting the Kevin Durant treatment. Like, Durant had all these people coming at him, and, and here we go, you know. And then Durant made his choice, and VC was the same thing. And VC's never stepped foot on an, in an NHL game before. So I think there was a lot of pressure. And I think ultimately, ultimately, in the end, he looked and said, you know, maybe Boston is too much, you know, too much for me. And why don't I just go to another old-time friend in, in Kevin Hayes down the road in New York in a place that won't be as pressure-packed as Boston, you know, if he doesn't have the greatest start, which I think he will have a good season next year, but it, it'll be interesting to see. But surprise, not surprisingly, that he signs with a Hayes brother, but not the one Bruins fans wanted him to sign mm -hmm. with. You know, I'm going to touch on this too. I find it very interesting how all these teams are going after a player that hasn't actually proven himself in the NHL. So I'm not going to fault Jimmy BC too much for getting the attention that he got, but Kevin Hayes went in there. He looked at BC and said, choose what you got. And you could hear the rumors throughout the course of the weeks that BC did not want to play that close to his hometown. He wanted to play close to his hometown, but not directly in it. So him going to New York really didn't surprise me. I thought it was one of the two teams he would have gone to. I didn't think he was coming to Boston. Yeah, I didn't think he was coming to Boston either. I always held out. I mean, I, didn't, I, held, I held out a little bit of hope that he would sign here, but I never thought he was coming here. I never got my expectations that he was coming here. And I just think the one thing that kind of, you know, brings this story to light more. Like Kevin said, you got the like Kevin Durant treatment where Patrick Kane was in Boston, John Tavares was in Boston, you know, Sidney Crosby's calling him. I mean, it's crazy. I understand the draw. And I think the one thing that that drew this even bigger by the media is, is usually this time in August is a dead, there's, there's nothing going on. It's completely dead. There's no news. There's nothing to talk about. And obviously you have Beezy here, former Hobie, Hobie Baker winner. You know, he had a great four-year career at Harvard, you know, this is big stuff because usually no one's talking about anything hockey-related at this time of year. You also got to keep in mind that this, the VC, the investment in him, is pretty much more reward than risk because he's not going to get. He wasn't getting tons of money anyway, but his upside was, you know, off the charts. So it's kind of one of those things like that's why everyone's going to go after, um, you know, the librarian librarian girl. She looks really cute and stuff like that. She got the glasses on. You're not sure exactly how good she's going to be, but you're going to take a shot on her because she has some cuteness, if you will. Probably the worst, absolute worst looking person. But anyway, um, you know what I mean? Like, there's very little risk and tons of reward. He showed a lot of promise in college, and, you know, that's why there was, you know, the mass hysteria for him. And you know what? I don't fault Boston for trying to go after him. Boston did what they had to do, which was very impressive what they were offering. But So what if BC turns into a bust? How do these other teams look now? On a side note, in defense of BC's decision, Boston's not ready. Boston doesn't have the defense. Boston's not playoff ready like the New York Rangers are. And the New York Rangers only have a year or maybe two in, with Henrik Lundqvist in that before he gets really past where he needs to go towards retirement age. And so... Well, the 
you know, I don't really fault BC for making that decision. I, in, in a way, I respect it because it was what I expected to come. And I'm pretty sure the Rangers are in cap hell, too, right now. So yeah. they got another year or two to make a run. That's it. And then, sorry, I didn't mean to jump over anyone else, but of course, the Claude Julian factor. He doesn't play young kids. I mean, that's it. <laughs> yeah, so. And, and no, I mean, I agree with, with Joe there. You know, New York is in, they're in cap hell. Uh, you look at, like what Jason said, you know, they, their time is starting to dwindle down in terms of Lundqvist is, you know, his age could start showing. And, you know, they just lost. I'm not, not that Danny Boyle was a was a huge factor, you know, for the team, but Dan Boyle was a big factor for the team. He's gone, so, you, you know, you really need other guys to start stepping up in that presence. And, you know, the Rangers might be at that point where they're going to start, you know, this year at the deadline, they're going to sell and they're going to not sell, but they're going to be, they're going to sell some pieces in order to get the big piece they need to make the push. They're going to be the buyers in this situation. And they're going to try and make a run the next two years. And, you know, they can look at it and say, okay, because I think it's just a two-year deal that he could sign. Um, okay, he was a bit of a bust. We'll let him walk when the whole potential rebuild starts on Broadway. You know, so it, it, I think New York was it – wasn't I, to me, it wasn't the greatest choice for him. But in, in reality, when you look at it, it was a really good choice because, you know, he's got some friendships with Kevin Hayes there, and this team could be making that push, that final push. And he's close to home. Yeah, and he's, he's, he's close enough to home, and this team could be making a, a good push, you know, in the next couple of years to try and get that cup before the, the, num, you know, the age starts to show and they start to go downhill and into a bit of a rebuild. Right. Jason, I don't think he's going to be a bust personally, but you said even if I, I, I don't I don't think it either uh, based on what he's shown. I'm just saying that I'm putting that, you know, what if he what if he is. But even you know, if he is, the Rangers only that, sign him for like a, a rookie rookie minimum contract. They're not extending themselves and paying him four million dollars on the cap. He has a rookie contract. I think it's it's worth the risk. He's coming in on a rookie contract with a lot of hype. The only thing he has to live up to is the pressure of being that player. Yeah, and that is definitely. That's definitely something you guys to deal with is the pressure. And the one thing that people people were speculating about is that, you know, with Jimmy with Jimmy Hayes, you know, dealing with the media and the pressure to play in Boston. I'm sorry, but did you see all the teams he was talking to? They all have they're all top ten, I in my opinion, hockey markets that have tough media. Chicago, mm-hmm. Pittsburgh, the Rangers, Buffalo. Even though people don't think Buffalo's a good city itself, they're passionate about hockey. Toronto. The only team that he Devils. that he met with was the Devils. That wasn't even really, you know, in my opinion, media scrutiny. If you if you go to any of those places and you don't play well, you're gonna get. I mean, they're gonna be on you. And also, you have the ability to not listen to talk radio as a player. I mean, there's other stations you can listen to. So if you don't like the crit- quick, quick quick question for the three of you guys, because I want to hear from the three of you guys. Tougher hockey market: New York or Boston? Boston. 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 Yeah, Boston to me. Yeah. New York has a, You know, they had. One cup since 1940. I mean, the Bruins were just there in 11. They went to another one in 13. And, of course, you know, we, we've seen what's happened since. So so let's go uh, tougher media market. Overall? What do you mean? Just in general in sports? Or no, um, for hockey. Oh, no. I, I go Boston. Boston. Absolutely. So that's prob- that probably affected the decision, too. Yeah, I understand that. But Toronto is one of the hardest places to play. And he was, on oh, to, he sure. was, talking, he was talking to them. Buffalo is definitely... Has they're on a they're on an up and coming team. If you sign if you signed VZ and he, and he didn't perform well, he's gonna get scrutinized up there too. Pittsburgh, same thing. I mean, people criticize Crosby and he's the, one of the best players in the NHL. So, no matter where you go, you're gonna be scrutinized. So I don't I don't, yeah. I don't think Jimmy Hayes even said anything. See, I I think his Hold decision on, Jason, came me, down to me, the me, coach. I mean, 
I don't think it came down to the coach. I think it's because he, the, the Rangers are in a better situation right now than the Bruins are, and he wants to be close to home, and it's close enough, but far enough away where he doesn't have to deal with probably like his third uncle trying to go to the game and try and get free tickets off him. It's just wow. easier. It's definitely an easier situation for him to go to New York. Easy way out too. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, it's the easy way out. Um, so if I could throw out, what did you guys think of the Matt Bolesky? I thought it was epic. The uh, the tweet. Oh, when he tw- he tweeted at him and said he made you, fellow you made the wrong choice. If those of you who haven't seen it, Matt Bolesky, you know, got right in his ear. And to be honest, I don't I don't like it. I mean, I understand what he's doing, and I understand Matt Bolesky's passion. But I mean, you don't need to be tough on social media, you know. I would rather him, you know, Bolesky go up to him during the game and chirp him during the game or like try and hit him during the game. I don't I don't need to see it on social media. I, I don't really care. I don't really care for it on social media. But I understand yeah. what Bolesky's doing, and I, I love Bolesky as a player, so I like the passion, though, the passion that I love. But I just don't think he should have tweeted at him. I, I took it completely opposite, I guess, what you took it as. I took it as there are so many athletes out there a lot of them say stupid stuff, don't get me wrong. But there are so many athletes out there that, that speak from the heart and tell it how it is and be honest, and then, they to- then they're afraid of their organizations and delete it because they don't want to cause any tremors in the interwebs and all that stuff. I thought Bolesky, considering where the Bruins are all right now with the fan base, don't, he might who knows, he might even got a nudge from uh, Bruins management to do this because they, they're not in a good spot. We all know this right now. They've fallen off the earth since 11. I mean, it's just gone down a spiral. To show a guy who brings it every single night, unlike a Jimmy Hayes, to just basically chirp this kid saying it was the wrong decision, I kind of like that because it lights a fire under the fans, which it absolutely did because I posted a story on my blog and it went off the charts about it. And I just it, it kind of takes balls to actually do that because, you know, we live in, like, so many people get their tweets deleted and all this, that, and the other thing. He kept it up there, which I find, you know, I applaud him for that. It's good. I, I like it now. The Rangers Bruin rivalry is going to be, you know, go to another level again because it hasn't been there since what they played in the playoffs in '13. So it worked, and I thought I thought it was great. And it could have been a promotional play because it could have been, but I think it worked because we all got fired up about it. And I, I agree with Joe on this. I mean, I like the idea of him going at you know putting it out on social media. I I think you know there's a lot of guys that I don't mind the chirping like it did it when when and I hate bringing the Durant thing back up, but. Isaiah Thomas kind of did it when he said, "If you use the worry, you were use the Warriors in 2K, you're a coward." And and it's just kind of the same thing, you know. He's going to go at him, and he's going to try and spark a little bit of a rivalry with this kid, you know. And you maybe you see that the rivalry, you know, grows with the Rangers this year, and and you know, the, there's going to be a couple guys going after Bolesky, and then Bolesky's going to have his his boys behind him going, you know, and Bolesky will drop the gloves himself. But I like the idea of it, and like I, like Joe had said, I the, the thing I like the most is he didn't delete it. He left it there. He, he knew what he was doing, and he's trying to start something. And, and to me, I really like that. And, you know, hey, it's all fun and games. He didn't do anything really, you know, there's some stuff that these guys, you know, do really, really stupid. And you're like, all right, you got to take that down. Okay. But this wasn't really, to me, that stupid. You know, he's just saying, hey, you made the wrong choice. And, and, and hopefully in the three or four times we play the Rangers this year, the Bruins play the Rangers this year, he shows them and he shows him that, hey, you made the wrong choice there, buddy. You know, that's. I like the idea of that, and I think, you know, I, I'm a little different than you and Mike, Mike on this one, where I, I agree with, with Joe and, and what Bolesky did. I, I really like the idea of it. Okay, so, you know, Bolesky disagrees with it. Well, I hope when the Bruins play the Rangers is that the Bruins play pissed off. 
that's what you hope. But you hope that the Bruins play that way the entire season, that one player doesn't make a difference. Or who knows, maybe if the Bruins really feel like they got chipped out of a player or the player chose the wrong choice, they get angry and they play angry. Well, it's it's kind of one of these things now. It's like, not like, not like, like almost like the Patriots, like, you know, everyone hates us, you know, things like that. Now, no one wants to play for the Bruins, it seems. And the Bruins players who are there right now are just saying, you know, F you, you know. We like playing here. We like putting that Spoke B jersey on. We're going to play with pride. And I believe, Bales- you know, Bolesky was chirping back and forth with Rangers fans and all that stuff and, you know, in a good-hearted, you know, playful way, which that's the good side of social media. And, like, you know, um, I forgot who said it, Kevin, or it's so many guys now on, on, on the show. But um, same thing. It's like there's so many uh, – social media is used for so many bad things and so many disturbing things and so many idiotic things. It's good to have that playful banter on there and that little, you know, the ball busting. Because, like, it was completely, you know, it was completely, like, uh, innocent fun. Honest to God. It's a bad decision, fella. You know what I mean? I- yeah, it was definitely it was definitely a funny thing to say, like fella, like it was clever. I mean, really good, and it was also late at night too. So I think it was great that the timing was great too. I had a couple of pops too um, beforehand, but you know, like I said, I, I just think the Bruins need to fuel any kind of rivalries they have and get any all their fans excited any way they can because nothing go, is going their way <laughs> at all. Like nothing, no, nothing is going their way. Like, Not one single thing. No, like since they raised that cup in Vancouver, it was nice they went to the cup final in 13, but they should have won that. <laughs> they should have won that final. So many things went the wrong way for them on that. It went sideways. Um, and then we- They should have gotten past Montreal when they had a Ginla. I mean, we can uh, say this all day. You know you know about that, ser- that series, Jason, that just gets me so – because pr- we had a 3-2 to two series lead, I'm pretty sure. Yep. I was at game one. Actually, no, I was at game one or two. I was at one of those two games. They came out with, like, absolute crap Montreal, which we kind of all knew that was going to happen, right? I mean, they just stink up there. I mean, that 2011, those games they went up there was a complete, like, miracle. We all know that. But then coming home in game seven, I remember being with my friends and watching at a sports bar. They looked so uninterested, came out so flat, and just didn't look like they gave a rat's ass. It was disturbing. And that's where I thought it really went downhill for them. Like that was just that was one of the most. That was probably that was way more talented than the 2011 team. I mean, they they were stacked. It had a Genlai and Kretschy and Luch was playing good and Bergie and Marsha and all the way down the line. It's like you know you know that that team was stacked and they just you know Detroit sucked. It wasn't much of a challenge, but not being Montreal and seeing Subban just going down. You know, remember when Sean Thornton scored Subban with the water? That was also yeah. kind of a shift in momentum too, because they they fed off that Montreal. PK Subban and Carey Price were both beasts in that series. Oh, abs- absolutely, and that was... they were beasts after that second game, after the Bruins' second home game. Yeah, but like I said, when they don't, when you don't show up for games like that at home, that wow. I mean, how many games uh, this past season? The the game against Ottawa. Are you, are you kidding me? <laughs> Here, guys, put it this way. I've seen the Bruins play the Canadians six times at home in the last three years. Actually, no, like the last six years. You know how many wins I've seen? Zero. 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 How, you know how many times I've left, I've left early? Most of them. Twice. They they don't – They. Montreal is in Tuca's head. There's no doubt about it. They, they're in his head. That's it. He's so just, bad. His record turns, up there is Mike and I have had this awful. debate off and on for the last year about – why we need to get Ray Tuka, and that Canadians team is one of those reasons. I, I think, but 
I think that, that Subban trade for Weber is going to really going to be the beginning of the end for them because I think that was one of the stupidest trades I've ever seen. I'm not going to be sad to see Subban go because he killed the Bruins. He's a killer. He killed the Bruins. In 11, he scored a goal to tie that up to make it go to OT. He killed him in the uh, 14 uh, series. He was just so happy to see him go. They, that team's falling apart pretty bad. I mean, they, they're going to, I don't, they had that good run a couple years ago, but I think they're going south. I think the team to worry about in that division is going to be Buffalo. Buffalo? Oh, it's a bold okay. prediction. That is pretty bold. I mean, that's, that's, that's bold. You got, I like you got that. Evander Kane, you got Eichel, you got a lot of, I mean, they've sucked for so long. They got a lot of track picks. I mean, they, they're going to be good eventually. I just don't see Marge. I, you don't see Ford or Tampa Bay taking that division? Who's that? Oh, sorry. You don't I'm, see? God, I'm thinking of the old, I'm thinking of the old alignment. I'm sorry. Mr. Adams division over here. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm sorry. That's why it's so bold. Yeah, Tampa's probably is the cream of the crop. Florida, I think they're a place. I think they were flashing. They were flashing the pan. I mean, come on, Bobby Lou, come on. But yeah, no, Tampa. I'm sorry, but I think Buffalo was probably going to be ahead. Buffalo is going to have a good year. That I do agree with. That's a pretty good prediction on that part. Does anyone remember the Adams Division? I'm the oldest one here by far. Probably no one even remembers <laughs> that they were called the Adams Division. <laughs> <laughs> nope. I don't. I don't remember. I don't. I just don't. Okay. <laughs> wow. Okay. I'm so old. I'll shut up and be old. <laughs> That's all right. But just getting back to um, the VZ quickly. Do you, do you guys think Jimmy Hayes said don't sign here? The media, the media is too much. I mean, if he did, that would. I mean, the Bruin. I think it leaves a sour taste in the Bruins fans' mouth, and it leaves a sour taste in the organization. I mean, you you're signed here for a few more years now. I mean, if you did that, I mean, I would I would try and get a first ticket out of here if I if if I found that found out that he did that. He should be shipped away, shipped out of here if he actually found if they found out that he's he he badmouthed Boston. Joe, you were talking about this earlier. Do you want to answer that question first? Sure. I just want to want, we'll give you guys a shot because I, I just uh, wasn't shutting up. But um, well, I heard on ninety eight five. I heard Joe Haggerty mention it. I heard Touch and Rich say that they heard from a different source than what Joe Haggerty heard it from. Um, you know, you put one and one together. Both Boston, you know, Boston uh, families there, their friends. You know, for him to sign with New York, now if he signed with Pittsburgh or Chicago or any of those other teams or Buffalo, you could, you know, you, you wouldn't see that connection with the Hazes at all. But to go play with Kevin, I believe is younger than uh, younger than Jimmy, I believe. Um, that tells you something. That he signed with the other Hayes. So, of course, he's going to say, you know, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Don't, you know, take the easy way out. Get the hell out of town. You know what I mean? I know Jimmy Hayes in the back of his mind when he got traded to Boston was like, oh, shit, I better, not, I better not have a bad year. And he did. He had a terrible year. But I think VC should be able to blaze his own path. But, you know, his parent, I mean, he's a 23-year-old kid. His parents are squawking in his ear, you know. Right. Kevin, what do you think? You think Jimmy Hayes said something like You think Jimmy See, Hayes? I don't, I, don't, I don't know if he did. I, I think there, it's tough because, like you said, there could be, like, big – not big repercussions, but, you know, they sit there and say, oh, well, you kind of nudged him in the wrong direction. You know, what is it, you know, about this organization that you're pretty much bad-mouthing us about? But at the same time, I mean, he did, he, he took a lot of heat in the media this year, and I think that that could have got to him, and he could have said, hey, listen, you know, there's a lot of, there's a real lot of talk around what's going on here in, in, in your contract, and I don't know if this is going to be a good situation for you. Maybe he went and said, you got to really look at the whole situation and say, 
there's a lot going on around here. The expectation is going to be high. You might not want to sign here because, you know, I, I took a lot of it, you know, and maybe look for a, for a different route. But I, I'm, I'm kind of iffy. I don't know. I, I'm kind of sitting on the fence on whether he did or he didn't. I think he might have talked to him about him, was a bug in his ear, but was saying you have to look at the good and the bad here because, you know, you do good and they're going to love you. You have a, a mediocre season and they're going to hate you. So he might have been in his ear and might have nudged him in, in a different direction. You know, that's interesting because I'm, you know, I'm going to say that this all started after Kevin Hayes made that tweet and Jimmy Hayes didn't really respond to it. Because you would hope that, you know, if Kevin Hayes was making the tweet to VC that the other Hayes would respond and try to get him to Boston. I don't know if Hayes said anything. I, uh, I may be on the fence where I'm kind of sort of with Kevin that I don't think Hayes said anything to push him away. But it wouldn't shock me if he did. Yeah, it wouldn't shock me either, but... I just think it's interesting that Claude Julian was in the meeting and pretty much said that he'd be playing right away with Krejci. I mean, everyone that was meeting with VZ obviously was giving him top six minutes, but there was reports coming out saying he was going to be right alongside playing with David Krejci, which I'm assuming that would be him, Krejci, and you know Pashnik, because usually they like to keep Pashnik and Krejci together. So it's interesting that Claude Julian was there. I just saw someone, you know, Mentioned Claude Julian about in the Bruins that they missed the playoffs this year. Would Claude Julian stick around? And Claude Julian will not stick around if the Bruins missed the playoffs. He should have been. I personally think he should have been fired after they missed the playoffs this past season. I, I couldn't believe and I was stunned that he was still behind the, the Bruins bench and Don Sweeney gave him a pat on the back and said, no, he's our coach. Completely well, agree. I, Completely agree with you. What a mistake. Keep him around. I mean, you won the Cup at 11 because of a skate. Zidane Char skate and some, and some puck luck. I mean, we're not going to lie. Uh, stars aligned. You know, first round bowed against Washington. I mean, Washington the second, you know, the following year. Probably a couple years they lost to who? They lost to Montreal. They lost to uh, Carolina. Like, really bad. You know, the teams they should have beat. They should have beat Carolina that year. They had a lot. I mean, 2013, people forget that. I mean, they were down 4-1 four, four to, to Toronto. Toronto, they yeah. If they, if they lost that game, he would have been fired the, the next day. Who knows? Maybe not. <laughs> the way yeah. it's going, who knows? Maybe not now. Uh, he he's a def- he he was great for them in eleven because that's the team they had. They were defensive minded. They had Tim Thomas in that. That's the way they were. They were very solid back you know back on the blue line. They're not that way anymore. They're having a transition period. They have youth, and you have to invest in them. If Pasternak goes and like coughs up a puck, you can't bench the kid. He's not going to learn. You know, Frankie does the same thing. Colin Miller, you, why was he in Providence most of the year? They were just a train wreck. And one of them, the guy they took out in the uh, L.A. King San Jose three-way trade, what have you. Jones. Yeah, they, he's down, why are you down in Providence? You're not helping us. It's not like they were juggernaut and they didn't need to mess up the chemistry. Bring him in, why not? Like, especially, you know, at the end of the year, it was too late. They should just kept him up the majority of the time. This is one of my complaints about Claude Jr. also, is, is every time... And like, I understand if you're up by a goal and you don't want David Pashnik to play in the third period, I completely understand that. 100%. David Pashnik's not good in the defensive zone. But there was times this year, this past season, where Claude would bench Pashnik for the third period because he would turn the puck over and they'd be down a goal. And I'm sitting there screaming, like, why isn't Pashnik playing? He's one of their better offensive players and you're down by a goal. If he makes a mistake, you who cares? You need a goal. 
you need the goal, you need to win it. If you're gonna, if you give up another goal with man, if you, with him on the ice, you know who cares? You're trying to win it. So one of your most gifted offensive players, you don't play in a power play. Uh, the shootout. I don't know how many, how many. I can't remember what game it was. I, th- I want to say Carolina, that they needed that win, and they rolled out like Pasternak's not coming out there, and they put Krug. I believe, not God. Who was the guy they rolled out that I was like, are you kidding? Sorry, Krug. It was Krug. It was Krug. Like who had. Hadn't scored in months. And Pasternak's like, what are, what are we doing here? I just think, I think it's passed him by. I think it really passed him by. And they made a mistake keeping him, especially after the year. I mean, it's the second time he missed the playoffs. Are you kidding me? Because Do you remember after the... They choked, missed- they choked away both years. Both oh. These past two years, they were in the playoffs for like 90% of the year. And they, on the last game of the season, again, they got eliminated. Do you remember that? Do you remember Jacob's son and Jacobs are both like it's imperative. This is before last season. They made the playoffs. Their heads are going to roll. They keep the coach. Yeah, what are we doing? They kept the coach, kept the GM, they kept everyone. Everyone, <laughs> hey, there you go, missed the playoffs. Again. You know, everyone I, keeps their I keep job. I'm getting questions. Who are the Bruins going to replace Julian with anyway? Well, besides well, Bruce Cassidy, everybody. Well, they waited too long. This because, thing is, they got, they brought Cass, Cassidy up. So you really, you know. You really have to think, is the leash really, really short at the beginning of this year? I mean, they've always, you know, not that they've always, but it's last couple of years has been Cassidy's kind of being, you know, groomed for the role, which is the grooming going well, you know, because is he going to bring in the same system that they have going right now, which obviously hasn't worked the last couple of years. The question is, I, I think if Julian goes early in the year, it's Cassidy's job that, they, you know, they're going to give to him. But right now, the you know, the, the coaching market is thin, so... When you do, if you do let him go, I mean, it, to me, it's got to be Cassidy that's going to get that the job, you know, behind the bench. Why can't we get guys like Mike Sullivan? Oh, we did have him at one point. See, see, everyone's always like, "Oh, who would you replace him with? Who would you replace him with?" Like, if you fired Claude Julian, to be honest, I mean, this is kind of a cop out answer, but that's not our job to figure out who's going to be the next coach of this team. They should be higher ups doing that. Yeah. Did, when when Tampa Bay hired John Cooper, did anyone have any clue who the hell he was? No. Who the heck was Dave Hackstall before he got hired in Philadelphia? He, got, he was. He was. That's he what was, I mean. He was. He was coaching for North Dakota. Coaching so, North Dakota. But, but some people probably knew that. who he was. But I, I mean, I knew who he was. But like, no one can can tell if he's going to have success at the NHL level until you put him in the NHL level. John Cooper, no one even really heard of with Tampa Bay, and now he's considered probably one of the top five coaches in the NHL. Pittsburgh, both times they won the cup, they fired their coach in the middle of the season, both <laughs> times. Yep. So. What is that? What is that? I mean, it's not our job to find out who the next coach is. You find you you pick you put someone there. You you mix you, you mix up the lines. You mix up the chemistry. I mean, you just you do something. Claude, I think Claude Julian's tenure in Boston has been a good one. But sometimes you just run your course. And he's I think he's been here too long. His system is outdated. The NHL is changing, and Claude Julian's not keeping up with it. Amen. We, Mike and I have been agreed on this for a while, so I don't really have too much to say to go to go past that. Mike and I have had this discussion probably like six or seven times since we started this show. It's one of those things that, you know, what's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over again. And that's – if they don't make the playoffs this year, he, yeah, he's going to get fired, right? I mean, he can't – they cannot keep he'll – get, He'll get I, – I, I would hope that he get fired if they even struggle early on. True, true. You know, at that point – you're not a Stanley Cup contender anyway. So that's why you play the young kids. You make changes. You tweak things now. Okay? This is when you do it because your expectations now aren't as high. I mean, 13 and 12, they were very they were sky high. And 14 too, but 15 and 16. And now 16, 17, people are like, 
are we even going to make the playoffs? Like, who thought five years ago we'd be having this discussion? Not me. I thought we'd have two or three cups. At least we were we were set up for it. We were set up for it, and we just the team didn't execute. Why too? I mean, I, I praise you, Jason. I praise any season ticket holders out there that spent that much money because the season before the 15 C's, I believe there was a ticket hike when they had the, the President's Trophy. I believe that's when the ticket hike, hike happened. Yeah. And you guys have not – you've seen a pile of crap at home especially, and I, I feel bad for you guys. They were awful at home last year. They were oh. terrible, terrible oh. at home. I can't. I'm- I'm not a season ticket holder, but I saw 42 games at 100th anniversary. No, that 90th anniversary year. Trust me, it was heartbreaking to see that Canadian series. Oh, so I mean, they had so much heart when that year started. Yeah, they were looking so good. I just, I just, I mean, I, I just don't really understand why like Claude Julien's still here. And I don't mean to bash the coach. I wasn't trying to have this show be about a coach bashing. I just, I mean, Bruce, they they hired Bruce Cassidy, which I think is interesting. I mean. Why would you hire him as an assistant coach? Why, if you wanted him to be part of the staff, you could have just fired Claude Julien and had him be the head coach. I mean, I don't, I don't understand. I, got, I mean, I've been talking about Claude Julien for quite some time now, and I just think his time's up. And I think, I, mean, I, I don't even know what he's going to do for the Lions this year. I mean, he has a ton of young players, clearly, because I mean, Vertrano can't go back to the AHL. I mean, he scored a goal a game in the AHL when he was down there last year. I mean, you had, you have Pashnik, who you know. Who, when he when he when Claude would play him, he would produce, and I think you should. And to be honest, you would look at that and you would say, as a, a coach would be like, oh, let me put you know our up and coming young skilled forwards together on a line, for Toronto and Pashnik. But I think Claude Julien would have a heart attack if he did that because they hmm. are they are they able to get back in the defensive zone and get into the corners in battle? <laughs> you well, sound like me, like twenty years younger. I mean, I swear to God, I love it. Um, I don't know. I, I just like I said, he. It's. I just hope we don't have like, three years in a row of the same garbage. I just. I just think, and it's the reason that I grew up, Mike, on this is the fact that the game has changed. It's not a complete defensive zone game anymore. It's an on-the-fly, high offense, high transition, high speed game, and the Bruins are gonna have to do it and do it well, or if they're gonna if they're gonna go back to that big bad Bruins mindset and play tough, they're gonna have to stay tough. They can't be anybody anywhere in that middle because it doesn't work. Definitely. There wasn't. There wasn't. Oh, go ahead, Kevin. Well, I was just saying. You know, like here's the question: Is we, you know, we as the fans and the observers of the team, we sit there and say, well, this team should be going. You know, should be getting rid of Claude and and you know finding a guy that will let the rookies learn and make their mistakes. You know, and and mature and and grow into what they're supposed to be. But you got to sit there and say, does the does the organization think differently? Does the organization think going into this year that this team, you know, and you want to think that, but does this? Do they sit there and think this team has the chance to be the, you know, a Stanley Cup contender, and they can't risk letting these forwards making these, you know, you know, making these mistakes, you know, when they need to win games. So is it? There definitely is a different mindset between the fan base right now and the in the office in the front office and. Not to sound, you know, cocky as as part of the fan base, but I think we're right, you know, as opposed to that front office, which is not doing a very good job running this team right now. And, and it's showing by missing the playoffs the last two years. And another, to me, you know, Backus was a good signing and Riley Nash was a good signing, but to me, another crappy offseason, <laughs> not addressing your biggest need. Yep. Defense, right? Yeah. 
I mean, most of your money is tied into that defense, and it's the defense that's the exact same as as it was last year. You're talking about really no changes to it. They they did two. They made two defensive moves. One was buying out Seidenberg, and I know someone uh, Joe mentioned that on the the Big Bad Bruins Facebook page. You know, they talked about Dennis Seidenberg, and someone asked why did they buy him out. I mean, it, it was pretty clear to me why they bought him out. He's yeah. toast. He's toast. He can't he can't do it anymore. And oh. then they resigned Kevin Miller. So those have been their two moves on defense. But here's the thing, too. Now you look at it, now the Seinberg, it's like when you don't have much at all, should you get rid of guys that, you know, could bring a little bit to the table? I guess um, I guess we could segue. So here's a good question on the uh, Bruins page about uh, Daniel Chow. I'll throw at you guys. Um, it's from Christy Harris. Do you think Big Z will put it together and be the defenseman leader of the team desperately needs, or should he relinquish the C and have less time on ice? Well, he's going to have to be the defensive leader on the team because they don't have anyone else. I mean, I've been saying for two seasons now that Chara would be the perfect, you know, number four defenseman, number three defenseman. Get get someone in here, you know, to, to release the load on Chara. Because if, if you just use Chara as a defensive specialist slash, you know, penalty kill defenseman, I think he's really, I think he would be great in that role. He would thrive. But, I mean, Chara, he's going to have to be the leader of that team. That's what he... That's what the, he is, he were, and he's not going to relinquish the seat. That's not happening. When he when he signed back in Boston, he wanted to be the captain. I know everyone should say Bergeron should be this. Bergeron should have the seat. You know, he, he deserves it. Bergeron does deserve it. He'll get it in like two years when Chara retires. Bergeron has an A. I don't really think the the C on the chest or Bergeron having the C is going to do anything differently for this team because it. Bergeron's wearing an A the last two seasons, and I'm not blaming Bergeron, but the Bruins have still choked away the playoffs the last two seasons. With Bergeron on the team being one of the leaders too, so it's, people got to stop with this relinquish the C talk on Chara. That's just my my opinion on that. It, you know, I, I don't think he'll relinquish the C. And kind of going along with 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 what Mike said, you know, Bergeron's had the A for so long that you know he he has a very big voice in the locker room, and and you know. To me, I don't think, you know, Chara just switching roles, you know, if he relinquishes, kind of like what Jumbo Joe Thornton did out in San Jose, you know, he, they, they went a year without a captain, and then Thornton kept the A, and then they, they gave the C to Pavelski. They kind of just flopped roles, and, you know, it, it's kind of the same thing. You know, the captain has, what you, would, you would think, the final say, but I think Bergeron's had that A for so long that his voice is almost as big as Chara's, so I think they're just going to, you know, ride out the sea the next two years, and then you know, Chara keeps it, and then he's you know he goes off into into retirement or whatever the hell he wants to do after the Bruins contract is up, and Bergeron gets a seat. So I don't think he relinquishes it this year or next year in in that case. And I think that you know Bergeron does have a big enough voice in the room that he, um, you know, doesn't really need the sea necessarily right now. And I'm gonna say this because this was the question that you know can Chara pull it together. I was at that game, Char, I got that knee injury. That knee injury that Salah never promoted that season. And I listened to all the reports and they said that Char wouldn't be the same player. I know he came back as hope that he would be, but he's not. I do not think he can pull it together. I think it, with his age, he is not going to be the same player and he's going to have to adjust to that. You cannot give him 30 minutes a game. He is not that player anymore. If you want him to be Zidane Char, He's going to have to take a different role. And the, right now, the, the major issue the Bruins have is that defense. And unfortunately, there's not much t- the team can do about it. Char is not going to be the same player. So just touching upon the leadership thing, if you guys saw that uh, 
you know, the uh, documentary, I think it was Behind the Bee, and also the one that um, whatever channel covered the, uh, the Winter Classic behind the scenes. I can't remember it off the top of my head now. But you hear during that first period, which was awful, as we all remember, like Bergie and Char yelling at the team, you know, you guys are already down on yourselves already in the first period and stuff like that. I don't think anyone on that team could make, you know, put a, you know, put any kind of, uh, you know, inject anything in their arm and get them going. I just, that team was just, the motivation was not there. I don't know what the hell happened. Every big game possible, they did not show up for. Did not show up. It was game after game after game. All the big games, we like, they put two or three games together and you're like, you got this big game that you need and they completely crap the bed. And that's just the way the whole season went. And to the point about Chara's playing capabilities, he needs a partner that can not be a detriment to him because he's already on the back nine. So he's already trying to overcompensate for his dimension skills. He can't be over there cleaning up a Kevin Miller's when he pukes all over his skates. You know what I mean? That, that was the problem, too, that he was almost out there by himself at half speed because he's getting older. So... I don't think you should give up the seat. I think he's done so much for this franchise. It's funny how Boston fans are that we completely turn on people so quickly when they're when they're um, skills diminished. He's old, guys. He's old. That's it. He's a big lumbering guy, like you said, Jason. That knee injury really hurt him. And you got to think about having that frame as you get older. Your knees start taking a beating. Your ankles. You you get you you're just so physically massive that your body's going to give out eventually. That guy fights it, to the end. He has the big, one of the biggest hearts I've ever seen of a player. So, And I did not answer the uh, question about the leadership part, but I do agree with you guys. As long as Charles on his team, the rules really don't matter. Charles and Bergeron are the leaders. That's how it is. Whether or not one's captain, one's assistant captain, it doesn't matter. Well, we got back. Yeah, Bergeron, Bergeron was yelling at the team on the bench during the Ottawa game when Claus went to timeout. It was Bergeron who was yelling at everyone. So, obviously, you know, Bergeron's voice is pretty high up doesn't matter if he's not if he's wearing the C or not. He he's he has just as much to say, if not probably more than Shara. Try to see if you do you guys see any other questions? I'm gonna see if we can find another one here on the uh couple of the posts we did. Let's see. No, Josh, unfortunately you cannot join the podcast. I saw that question. That's pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately, we already have four guys on here, Josh. So I don't think we can have yeah. you on. We're stacking and pretty high. That, that's on. I mean, yeah. I mean, it may, maybe I, eventually down the road. And I know we and, got uh, the question from Brian about you know is Claude safe if we miss the playoffs? But we've already answered that question. You know what I want? What I want to say is a good way to build off that question is what do we feel about Don Sweeney if the Bruins miss the playoffs? Oh goodness. Well, uh, um, that's a good. That's a good question. That's, that's a good question, Kevin. You want to start with this one? I mean, this is kind of connection to like Julian, isn't it? You, you sit there and think two years without the playoffs, you think he goes. You know, to me, they they had this this love fest for Sweeney because he was uh, he was a former Bruin and he worked for Providence. You know, and they brought him into the system, and then he worked for Providence, and then they, you know, they he was the what, director of player development, whatever the hell he was, and then they bring him up, you know, and, and here he is, you know, as the GM. How do you fire him after two years? You know, it's, you know, it, it's kind of similar to me in, in the in the, the Julian situation. You know, you, you think he's going to be gone if they miss the playoffs again, but you sit there and say, is he? Do we know? Well, you know, it, it's it's the question marks with his, this ownership crew. 
and you know even the guys a little higher and you know and Naley and and it's really questionable as as what's going to go on with with Sweeney personally I I don't think Sweeney has as much pull as other GMs in this league I think that uh, Cam Neely has a big say in this team, and I think you know Jeremy, and maybe not Jeremy as much anymore, but Charlie Jacobs also has a say. But I, I think at the same time, he, he hasn't done a very good job. You know, he didn't do a very good job last year. hasn't done a very good job this year so far. So it'll be questionable. But I think it's a similar to Julian situation. You'd expect him to be gone, but the way recent things have gone, will he be gone? It all depends on how the uh, management looks at it, because you never know. The management could give Sweeney one more year. I mean. It's really it's not predictable when it comes to this team. I understand. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say I understand that you know Sweeney came into the messy situation that you know um, Peter Shirelli got him into, but Sweeney's had two seasons now, and he's and he's preached patience with the you know with the young players and stuff, which I understand. I think he did a, I think he did a really good job of you know building the farm the farm system and, and having players you know in Providence that you know could compete for a spot down the road. But you know when he when Don Sweeney's sitting there saying like, "Oh yeah, we need we need to improve the defense. We need to improve the defense." Everyone and their mother and their father and their grandparents know the Bruins' biggest need was defense, biggest need, and they didn't do anything to the defense. So Don Sweeney, sorry, he he has gone down in my book. I I I gave him the benefit of the doubt last year. I said, you know what, he hasn't had a full season under his belt yet. You know he's just adjusting to the to the to the new role. Give him a little bit of time. But I'm sorry, it's now year two. You haven't done anything to significantly improve the defense, and and everyone here knows the defense is not good. That's an absolute failure, in my opinion. Don Sweeney deserves an F for this. I shouldn't say an F, but actually, yeah, he deserves an F yeah. for this offseason. I understand they signed Backus. I understand they signed Riley Nash. But I'm sorry, you get an F. Everyone knows this team's crypt tonight was their defense. They scored enough goals last year to be, to be in the playoffs, and I saw someone say, you know, they only missed the playoffs by a point. Yeah, I understand they almost, almost only missed the playoffs by a point, but the Eastern Conference was down last year. Everyone noticed that. The only team that, you know, I know Pittsburgh won the Cup, but Washington was so far ahead of everyone, and everyone else was jam-packed together because the Eastern Conference, everyone was beating each other up, and it was a bad Eastern Conference last year. The Bruins can't, if the Bruins can't get into the playoffs with a bad Eastern Conference, and they are better, than, and they were, I believe personally they were better than the Philadelphia Flyers. So, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what to, I mean, Don Sweeney deserves, I think, a, fail, a failure on, for his offseason. You know, you know what? I, I, actually, I kind of agree with you. Um, that they, they were saying, uh, I read somewhere that someone mentioned that, you know, Donnie Sweeney's a Harvard guy and BC was a Harvard guy and he couldn't even get anything done with that, which I don't know if those connections mean anything. Shirelli was a Harvard guy and he was an idiot. Um, Don Sweeney, <laughs> the, the thing that really, really, that draft, not this past year, but the year before, with the three number one, three first round picks, and couldn't get anything done. Kind of, that was like, really? Are you kidding me? You couldn't get anything done with three number one picks. Uh, you couldn't trade them, get Hannafin. You could have traded. You could have traded Hannafin for all three of those picks. There's no way an NHL team would turn that down. I would have taken that. Or why, even, would Car- why would Carolina turn that? Why would Carolina want that? I understand you get three first round picks, but. You have a you have the potential to draft in the top five and draft a stud defenseman. Why would you just give that up for for three first round picks that are in the middle of the pack? Not, Carolina Carolina would not do that. Also th- that year the defenseman demand was not like the you know King's ransom that this past season was. So there's no reason why I can't I couldn't see him turning any of those for guys that could play right away. So it's just you know what are we doing here? But you got to keep in mind the one variable that has remained constant is who? It's Cam Neely. 
you know, he was a big part of that Sagan trade. He's been there with his jumble meatball and all that stuff. And he, I loved him as a player, but as an executive, he's not doing that good. I mean, he's, if, I think if they don't make the playoffs, I think they all go. I mean, he's got to go too. I mean, he's, as much as he's a legend, he's just, just not because they, he's a legend doesn't mean you know, he can keep it. He's good at his job as a front office guy. He's right. a good player, like you said, but he can't, just, if, he can't, if he's not getting it done in the front office role, you're not getting it done. Comple- yeah, I completely agree right. with you. Completely agree with you. And I don't think the Jacobs are going to stand much longer for missing the playoffs because you know they're all about lining their pockets. So, and I, I agree with you know the whole thing with Neely. I, I've been on Neely for a couple of years, and Neely obviously isn't. In, he's not a head you know a head coach. But if you look in recent years, Arizona nine years ago brought in Wayne Gretzky. You know, one of the greatest of all time. I I put Orr ahead of Gretzky. You know, I I never really saw much of them play. Uh, but I, you know, from the highlights I see, I, I pick Orr as, as a Boston fan. But Gretzky, you know, top two all time, and he gets fired because he couldn't do a good job as a coach. And Patrick Waugh, I mean, he had a good first season with Colorado, but you know, he just stepped down as the head coach. And I think they kind of stepped in and said, "We don't want to fire you because you know you're you're a, you know a big name here in the past in Colorado, but you know you're not doing the job, so we want you to step down, and come into the front office a little bit." Sometimes the players. The greatest of athletes in the sport, they don't become, you know, the they don't become the greatest coaches. It's it's just the way it happens. You know, you see so many guys like that, and and obviously Claude has had his good times here, and he's had his bad times at Boston. But Claude could never make it in the NHL as a defenseman. But here he is, you know, being successful as a coach in the NHL, and in in you know in an aspect of it, right? So sometimes the greatest talents they they don't really do a very good job of running a team. And and that's what I see with Naley right now. He had a great talent, but he, he's made some. You know, he's he's definitely pulled some strings for this organization that uh, have not gone well for the team. So I know you guys are more well versed about the Miners and Providence, all that. So what guys on? Um, this is Joe from Drake. I'm asking a question. Um, what guys down there in the farm you think could, uh, this? I heard about this Carlo kid and all that. If you guys can kind of give a scouting report about the defense down there. Uh, so, yeah, some of the Bruins' defensive prospects are, uh, you know, pretty good. You know, Brandon Carlo is probably the big, big one because he's a big boy. He's 6'5", 6'6", you know, really big boy. He played on the World World Junior team last year. Um, you know, they say he's the most NHL ready now, I, I think, because of his size. Obviously, you know, he's a big, he's more of a stay-at-home type defenseman. Um, not really too flashy offensively, you know, but he, he, he gets the job done. You know, I really like him. They also have... Uh, you know, Jeremy Lawson or Lazone. I always forget how to pronounce his last name. Uh, Zaboral. Ke- Kevin's really good with the prospects. So, Kevin, I want I want you to uh, take over here for uh, give some insight on some of the Bruins prospects they have down there for for defense. Yeah, defensively, uh, Carlo's the big guy. I mean, he's he's a big body. He's not an offensive guy. He's more of a stay-at-home guy. He's going to drop the gloves. You know, when when he needs to drop the gloves. And he's the, he's he's got some real talent. He was a second round still. Zaboral was that first pick of three in the first round in 2015, um, and he had a bad year in the uh, plays in the QMJHL. He had a bad year this year, but the, the talent is still there with him. You know, he just he he had he knows what he's doing. He's very talented, and he's definitely going to be a, a good good NHLer on this team for the Bruins. Jeremy Lawson is another guy. He had a great year last year. He had a good year two years ago. The question with him is. You know, you know, he's a bit of a, a little bit of a smaller guy, so that's a question. And obviously, and he did come back to play, but he he had a um, 
He had a little incident with his neck. Uh, they took a you know took a skate to the neck and got sliced open in the playoffs in the in the QMJHL playoffs this year. But uh, to me, those are the big three as of right now. But you got to look at a guy. They drafted him. You know, he's going to be playing at BU this year. Charlie McAvoy. I really really like the talent that McAvoy possesses, and he has. And I you know honestly, I think defensively. If they allow these defensive rookies to make mistakes on the blue line at some point in the next couple of years and let them grow, defensively the Bruins are going to be really set in a few years. And, you know, it's, it's also going to benefit them if they have too many options on the blue line to, you know, to sell in a couple of years and, and get a couple of picks or a couple of high-end prospects and other needs. But to me, you know, ranking it, I'd go Carlo at number one. You know, a guy definitely look out for maybe even this season. I put Zaborl at two and then McAvoy at three. And Lawson at four, but I mean, there's a lot of talent on the blue line the Bruins have. And on my end, I, I like what I've seen from Brandon Carlo. I've heard a lot of good things about Brandon Carlo, so he's he's the obvious number one. I paid attention to Jeremy Lawson a lot more last year from the news that I had heard, and I'm going to put Lawson right up at number two. I think Lawson's got a lot of potential as being the number two. I think McAvoy is the number three, and Zaboral is the number four. That's how much patience. Yeah, I think. It's definitely going to be patience, yeah. I, I think McAvoy's going to have the best NHL career out of all of them, to be honest. I mean, I just I look at McAvoy, and I, th- I just look at an absolute stud. I mean, that's just McAvoy my McAvoy is going to be NHL ready by probably next year. That's just my personal opinion. Out. I mean, I, I love what Charlie McAvoy's game. Love it. I love it so much. I think, he, yeah, I think he's going, to, he's going to be in the NHL sooner than later, even though he's going back to BU. How about Rob O'Gara? I've heard a lot of good things about him too, but I don't know about him too well. Kevin, what do you know about Robert? Well, Gara had a yeah, he's a yeah, it's ECAC boy actually. He had he was at Yale, right? Yeah, he was at Yale. He had he had a very you know as time went on at Yale, he grew and he got better. I, you know, he's definitely gonna be a mainstay in Providence this year. I don't think that right away he's gonna you know make this jump to the NHL. He might be a couple years. Um, he might be, you know, a couple more years down in Providence, but if he continues to grow the way he grew at Yale, I can't see why three, four years down the line, he's not, uh, you know, I don't want to compare him to Adam McQuaid, but the Adam McQuaid type in this team where he's that consistent third-pairing defenseman on the roster. That's what I see in him, you know, the way he grew at Yale over the last few years. If he continues to grow and learn his way through the pro game in the minor leagues, at some point he's going to be a, a a top six defenseman on the Bruins, and or or and then another team if the Bruins decide they want to trade him. But he's definitely got the talent to be a uh, a defenseman in the National Hockey League, and and will be a, a good fit on the blue line for the Bruins if he continues to mature the way he did at college. So here's to 2019, 2020. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean. That's what we have to look forward to right now, Joe. It's a lot of me. Like I understand uh, Don Sweeney's point about patience with defensive prospects but sometimes you have to you know bring in some defensemen that can play now too but that will uh, wrap up our episode of Bruins Beat brought to you by CLNS Radio uh, big special thanks to Joe and uh, all the people on Big Bad Bruins Nation that submit questions we'll, we're going to be doing this uh, majority, mostly every week so be on the lookout from a uh, post from Papa Bruin there and uh, about asking for questions we, I mean this week we, we had a bunch of stuff to talk about with Jimmy VZ and next week you know, the week after that, before hockey starts ramping up, we will try and take a lot more questions that you guys have. So, um, yeah. please continue to continue to send those questions. You can uh, you can also follow um, follow our Twitter account at Bruins underscore B. You can follow all of us on Twitter. Also, I'm at Mike Setta twenty two. 
at Jason Buckley ninety one and at C O N S underscore Kevin. Joe, you you are on Twitter too, right? What's the Twitter handle that you yeah, guys have uh, on? It's at uh, at Big Bad Bruins eighty eight. Um, at Big Bad Bruins eighty eight, and that's run by you, correct? That yeah, that's correct. Now, I won't be here next week. I'll be actually in Vancouver wearing all my Bruins stuff, pissing off a lot of people. So I can't wait. It's all right, Joe. We'll make sure we send you the link for the show to post oh, on yeah, your website so that fans can hear it. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Yeah, for sure. Thank you again. It's great to have but, you on the show. Absolutely also, great. great to have you. Go ahead, Jason. I want to say thank you to Nick and Sean and everyone at CLNS Radio for allowing us to do this show and allowing us to have these great listeners it's been great doing the show so far um you can also find us on our facebook page at bruins beat podcast on clns radio you can find us on itunes at boston bruins beat podcast you can find us on itunes stitcher and like i said continue continue listening to the show continue submitting questions if you submit questions to the boston bruins beat podcast page or message me or mike we'll try to get them on the show for you guys next week uh we know hockey season is going to be coming up real quick Absolutely. So we will talk to you next week. Joe, we will talk to you hopefully in two weeks. Have a have a good time in Vancouver. Thank you very much. Take care, guys. Go Bruins. Okay, Joe. Go Bruins. Peace.